have to say, a lot of customers and people out there these days are so used to it that they kind of expect more. And so what marketers are starting to do is create true one-to-one experiences for their customers. Instead of creating a marketing campaign and then saying, oh, we can add in some personalization, dear Doug, they're actually thinking through the customer experience first. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today in studio, I've been joining me a special guest, Gretchen Scheiman. She is the Senior Director of Marketing for a company called Live Clicker. It's an advanced personalization platform that'll, uh, that helps brands create timely, relevant, engaging moments that inspire action. She has over 15 years' experience in marketing management building and leading high-performing teams on the client and the agency side. Gretchen specializes in methodical marketing funnel optimization and bringing an analytical perspective to how organizations can best use their talent. The tool that uh, that I'm sharing here with you, a live clicker, gives marketers the ability to instantly personalize messages with any data from any system, all at the moment that the subscriber opens your email. So at last, it's possible to execute the long-held vision of a personalization at scale. So I'd like you to join me in welcoming Gretchen to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Hey, Gretchen, uh, good morning and welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Doug. I really appreciate it. Well, I think it was a mutual friend. I think it was Ryan Phelan who introduced us and I'm happy he connected us. I really thought um, the information I found on your website in terms of personalization was super interesting and we'll make a great conversation today. So why don't you start us off and just give us a little bit of background on uh, who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, I am the Senior Director of Marketing for LiveClicker. That's an advanced personalization platform. We help brands create awesome, amazing, engaging moments that just inspire customers to act and to to do and to, you know, buy or anything else that a brand is looking for. I have well over 15 years of experience in marketing management. I've been doing this for a long time, both on the client side, on the agency side, and now on the vendor side. And you know, personalization has been near and dear to my heart from the days of Epiphany and and some really old systems that are out there. And we've been working on it for, you know, quite some time now. So I'm just excited to talk about that today. Well, I'm excited about all the changes in terms of uh, technology and how it makes the experience for the end user better, opposed to just uh, more technology for marketers um, who often just like uh, like the, the shiny new objects. So for our listeners who aren't aware of what you mean by personalization, can you just take a few minutes and explain what that is, please? Absolutely. I would say personalization is utterly fundamental and core to any marketer's strategy. And realistically, almost 90% of retail marketers out there, if we're just looking at one segment alone, are using personalization today 
But that includes some really basic stuff, and personalization has a pretty broad spectrum. So if we think about it from the basic to the really advanced, basic personalization would be putting someone's first name in there. So instead of saying, dear customer, you could say, dear Doug or dear Gretchen. But that's the easy stuff. And I have to say, a lot of customers and people out there these days are so used to it that they kind of expect more. And so what marketers are starting to do is create true one-to-one experiences for their customers. Instead of creating a marketing campaign and then saying, oh, we can add in some personalization, dear Doug, they're actually thinking through the customer experience first and then building a campaign around the best customer journey. And so that means it's really about the customer and not about the technology. The technology is there to enable the things that you want to do. Now, in terms of marketers adapting this new way of thinking, you know, where do you think we are today? So it's all over the map. Some really strong and, and well-known brands are doing basic stuff and some really tiny brands are doing amazing things because the technology is out there to support it. So you can look at your email or your website and you can say, I really just want to show somebody the the best next purchase for them based on what they've already looked at on my site. So if you are a guy coming in and you're looking at dress pants for men, showing you a dress for a woman is probably not going to cut it. I mean, you might have a significant other that is a woman who needs a dress for the same occasion, but chances are you're not shopping for that person. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'd, know, I'd, be, I'd be offside you doing be. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might be. I'm, but, you know, we're going with sure. the odds here. Yeah, right. And so, and so showing you a dress shirt would make a lot more sense than showing you a standard image that might actually be focused more on women because women tend to shop at this particular brand more often than men. And so by saying, hey, we're going to change our image on our website, in our email, everything based on what you've recently done and who you are and maybe where you are or even what device you're on at the moment, we can do pretty amazing things. Well, I think the where you are for sure and the device you're on uh, are two that I see people fail at all the time. So great offer comes in the email, click, and it's like, oh, not available in your area. It's like, seriously, you guys couldn't figure out where I'm located before I, you know, I got to the very end of the shopping cart and I, and I can't, now I can't pay. So now not only have you, you know, wasted my time, now I'm ticked that, that you've wasted my time and I can't buy the product that I've, that I've bought into. Exactly. I think one of the challenges there is that uh, it's in a regular email, regular emails are pretty flat and it's hard to do some of the things that you can do on a website. On a website, there it's not necessarily easy, but you can certainly add personalization. And there are lots of vendors out there that are making it much easier to do that. In an email, you really do need a vendor that can help you overcome the limitations of flat emails and change images on the fly, make them more dynamic so that you can solve for some of those inventory issues, for example, like you just pointed out. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because I, I worked with a brand and it was a ladies' clothing store and it was very, very high end. And it took a, took a while to convince them to segment their data because the, the owner said, I said, so who's your perfect customer? She said, well, everyone can shop here. It's like, mm, you know, I've done a lot of shopping with my wife and I realized these scarves in your store started about $600. So I'm, I'd like to say that not everybody is your customer. There's probably a certain demographic of people who shop here. And if you can build that relationship, like you said, it's very easy to follow up and if you've bought this then you can buy that and we've got a new fabric that's in your color because we know what colors that you that you've bought before or the styles that you've bought so is there an example of a customer um, you can feel free to give them a shout out or not uh, that you've worked with that went from the standard hey i'm just going to send a flat email to you know dear customer uh, where they actually used your technology well and integrated it with with data that would suit their customer you know, I have a fantastic example that speaks both to one-to-one um, -one personalization as well as the inventory example that you mentioned earlier. And it's from a company called Hot Topic. They're pretty amazing. They do the coolest little um, statuettes and things that are just, they're fun to have. And so they tend to do very limited batches because these are, you know, limited edition. And they used to have a problem where they'd send out the email and midway through the email send, inventory would run out and people would get upset. And that would drive a <laughs> lot of calls to customer service. Yeah. And so they had the cost of customer service calls. They had the disgruntled customers. They had a terrible customer experience. All those things that were distressing to them, probably more distressing than even to their customer base because you know they did sell out. So clearly there were a lot of people who were really happy with the limited edition things that they sell. What they did is they said, let's look at inventory management through dynamic email. And a lot of marketers would stop right there and say, hey, this is too hard. We can't get our systems connected. We can't make this work. It's, there's too much technology creating barriers to make it work. But Hot Topic didn't do that. They actually said, let's see if we can be creative. And we wound up working with them to find a way to overcome all the system issues by avoiding it entirely, which is always a great way to overcome a problem. If you ignore <laughs> it, eventually it goes away. So we actually used the power of dynamic images in an email and had them send their emails earlier in the day so that everyone could get them before the sales started, which immediately is positive in terms of a customer experience. But what we had them send was a message that said, hey, the sale's going to start at a certain time. People then could come back to that email at that time and the message would change because the image could change and it would say, okay, now our sale is on, go ahead and buy it here. And when the volume you know, was high enough that they knew that their inventory was running low online, they changed the message again and said, go to your local store. We're out online, but you can probably still find some, some of these in your local store. And so all of a sudden, the, the call volume went down, which means the costs went down. Their sales still were very high because they sold out and customers were so much happier. 
That totally makes sense. That's a really cool example. So just, I want to get just clear on how the process works. So when you're saying dynamic email and being able to change the content, I understand, you know, you know, how that works. How much data does the marketer need to do to actually capture when people subscribe to start to personalize? Is this a, is this a what's in your database driven technology or are we pulling information from web visitors, you know, previous history with you? How, how does it work in the back end? Well, that's the, that's the really cool thing. What you need in terms of data is defined by what you're trying to solve. You don't actually have, a ton, have to have a ton of your own data to be doing better personalization. You can approach it in a different way, like Hot Topic did, where they just avoided it entirely and solved the problem with a completely different approach. Or you can look at the data that you do have already and say, I'm going to work with that because that's what I have. There's all sorts of data that you probably have and you don't even realize it. Things like the type of device somebody is opening on can tell you whether they're in the home or out of the home potentially, or at least give you a reasonable guess. The time of day that they're opening things can tell you something. The business data that you have on them, the first party data that you may have on their purchases or other things. And then of course you can go out there and buy certain data as well to augment it. Sure. There's all sorts of different things you can do from high to low. You can get incredibly complex or insanely simple. Well, I'm, I'm still getting lots of emails that, that don't have my name in it. It's like dear subscriber or dear than space. And, and there is no, there is no merge field. So there's lots, uh -huh. obviously there's lots of room just to get to the basics. I mean, that was, I had commented before we started recording this episode that I had read your post on, are you still emailing 1999 and thinking some people are still, they're probably pre-1999. So like you said, there's lots of opportunity to get more personal. Now, in terms of data from the website, is there, do you have the ability when you're doing this to, to pull from your customer's journey? Because a lot of the, a lot of CRM systems, and a lot of technology, you know, allows us to track the, the, you know, the customer journey so we can see what they've looked at, what they may have, you know, what pages they may have spent time on. I'm assuming we can pull that sort of information into it and, and enrich the database. Yes, absolutely. In fact, we're working very closely with an online ticket retailer who I won't mention a name just because we don't yet have permission to talk about them specifically. But I can certainly say that we have helped them understand their website data, take the information about what someone who is identifiable and has browsed maybe a couple of different venues or a few artists or teams and take that and, and then make smarter suggestions. Just because they've looked at the Jets and name an artist, Bruce Springsteen say, doesn't mean that they're going to buy a ticket, but it does mean that if I talk to them about the Giants or another competitor and I talk to them about, I don't know, Blue Man Crew, they might be less interested. So instead of putting out deals that are not relevant to them, I can start talking to them about the Jets. I can start talking to them about Bruce Springsteen and where he's going to be in both large and small venues and have a much better chance of meeting their needs and expectations and having them then make a purchase through me instead of another vendor, another provider. Yeah, I mean, I've, I bought tickets online and I bought tickets when I've traveled as well, you know, using, I'm not going to name the brands because I'm not sure you're working with either. But, you know, it's interesting because they, you know, they very quickly identify 
you know, what my interests are. And um, if I'm traveling, obviously that's not my ongoing interest because I might not always be in New York. So as much as I like to go see the, the Yankees play or uh, the Rangers play, you know, that's not my hometown. But, you know, it's funny because like you said, they can track that and be personal. But what I, I find interesting is this conversation. And I think maybe we're at a threshold of like your feedback. And that is around what the consumer thinks of this type of technology as opposed to what marketers think. And the feedback that I'm hearing is, oh, you know, you, you guys, you know, with your remarketing or following me around that I'm saying, hey, we're making, you know, we're making a better, making the world better for you because we're not showing you irrelevant, you know, things to buy. We're, we're actually trying to be more personal and, and, and send you less relevant ads. So where do you see kind of the consumer uh, feedback these days as we're getting so much more personal and delivering? I think it's a better message. It is an ongoing source of tension for marketers and the people that they're trying to turn into customers because a customer is always going to buy more when things are personalized. We've proven that over and over again, but a customer is also always going to be very, very concerned when somebody gets too personal. It's the same thing when you're walking down the street. If your friend walks up to you and says, hi, Gretchen, I'm so happy to see you today. I would love to tell you about this you know, band you're interested in. If it's my friend, I'm going to be okay with that. They'll send a little stilted maybe, but I'll be okay with it. If it's a complete and utter stranger, I'm going to call the police. <laughs> I'm going to be very not okay with it. So everything is about context. I know that um, there's a researcher who many years ago, his name is Mike Waxham, and he did some amazing research around privacy and how context absolutely changed people's willingness to share a certain piece of information. And so you couldn't look at a privacy discussion and a willingness to share as a yes or no, a black or white question. You had to put it in context. There were very few things that changed, uh, that didn't change rather, outside of context. And so marketers need to be very careful not to be creepy. I think we've all heard that word, the creep factor. Yep. And we just need to not be creepy and to be really respectful of people and how they perceive their relationship with us as marketers and how we need to talk to them in order to make sure that we don't turn them off by being a little too personal. Well, I wonder how much that isn't really doesn't start with the intent. So is the intent to just really hit a sales number or is the intent to serve my audience? And if I give my audience a great experience, whether or not I see that's all the sales that day or in the future, because I've built a relationship, it's likely to be a, you know, a better long-term relationship than, Hey, let's just hit the list and see if we can generate some more sales. Well, it, it would be nice if we all had the luxury of only thinking about what's best for our customer. Unfortunately, most of us do have goals to hit. So uh, it, it needs to be a, a balance between the two. We have to make our goals. We're running a business. We're trying to make sales. But we need to recognize that our customers are the way we do that. So they're incredibly important. So where do you think the, you know, for listeners that are, that understand email and understand, you know, kind of the customer, where do you think the low hanging fruit is, you know, because this is likely a new topic to them. So if they were to get started, where would kind of be the, the, the starting point? 
So the long hanging fruit is obviously the first name personalization, but I would say that's pretty much table stakes. You kind of need to be doing it already. And most email service providers have that low level of personalization just built in. And it's it's been there since not too long after 1999, probably. Um, <laughs> but the next level is really starting to think through what is the easiest thing I can do that'll make a difference. Certainly the you bought this now by that is actually pretty straightforward to implement these days. And really what we want to do is go a little bit beyond that into offer optimization, thinking about how do I make my offers more compelling and send the right offer to someone. You don't want to send a 20% off offer to somebody who would be happy with a 10% or somebody who won't buy until they get the 40% off. And you don't want to send the 40% off offer to somebody who would have bought at the 20% rate. Or bought full price. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So you, do any of us buy full price anymore? <laughs> <laughs> but you do have to really think about those types of things. You also don't want to send it back to our original example, the guy shopping for dress pants. You don't want to send him you know, something for his wife. It, it, it may be not entirely inappropriate, but it's still, you're not going to get a sale. And guy's not buying dresses for his wife. He'll have more success selling the dress pants to the wife. <laughs> There you go. Make it make an off. Well, I mean, we we worked with a number of retailers, and it was funny that once we um, once we trained the staff on on how to talk to the customer, how much information the customer was willing to share once they understood the intent. So, you know, we got the basic four one one information, but then we got marital status and birthdays and anniversaries and. And I was really surprised at how willing people were at that particular time. It was, I don't know if it was 1999, but it was a number of years ago to share. And that allowed our client then to look for different partnerships. So they weren't in the flower business, but it was very easy to go talk to a local florist and say, hey, you know, I've got these customers and this is their anniversary and I can we can send an offer. So it allowed them to partner and, and, and help sell other products into the customer database that were helpful for, for the customer. That's fantastic. And yes, absolutely. Partnership offers are a great source of revenue and it makes the customer feel happy when you're saying, hey, I can solve not just the problem I'm here to solve for you, but I can help you solve some of the related things that you need to work on. Well, one of the the partnership offers that I had talked about that I, I really enjoyed was from Tory Birch. So my wife likes some of the stuff at Tory Birch and um, we're both Fitbit wearers. And so Fitbit sent out an offer saying, hey, you know, it's, I can't remember what it was, whether it was Mother's Day or something was coming up and said, hey, here's a, here's a new Fitbit for Mother's Day. I'm thinking, yeah, she has a Fitbit. So there's really no reason to buy another one. But the other half of the email was an offer from Tory Birch. Buy mom this new whatever it was more more jewelry style. So guess what? I signed up with Tory Birch, bought a, a very expensive piece of jewelry to hold a Fitbit, and then had to buy the new Fitbit to to go in there. So a great example of of them knowing you know kind of who we were and identify that to to bring us you know a partnership offer, and you know I ended up buying their product as well. That's fantastic. Tory Birch is really amazing in the personalization space. They do such fantastic stuff with it, and they are definitely ahead of a lot of retailers. 
Yeah, I had to unsubscribe from that list. It becomes very expensive for me. It's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> See, it works a little too yeah. well, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. So, in terms of the uh, in terms of the industry and and all the changes in the privacy, you know, in terms of GDPR and the California the Consumer Act that's coming in in the new year. How do you think this is going to affect the the personalization moving forward? I mean, obviously, you guys are at the forefront of this. Absolutely. Do you want to share kind of where you think the where the consumers are going to be and the regulators as we get more personal and and collect more data? So again, it's it's all about the context, and certainly we are very on top of GDPR, the California Act that's coming up just making sure that we always have the utmost permission from the people that we're working with. And we encourage our customers to do the same for their customer base. Once you have that relationship, it is that process of building things slowly over time and getting permission. If you have permission, you're always going to be in a good space, especially if you've logged it. And if you are trying to go out there and really dive into details on someone that you aren't working with, don't know, haven't gotten permission from, you're always going to get in trouble. So good businesses, good brands that run really tight ships around permissioning are not going to have issues with the new law. Well, I was kind of excited to see how quickly people, at least from my perspective, how quickly people moved over to adopt the, you know, the, the permission on all the websites. I, I just didn't expect that the move would be so quick and people would willingly go in there. But I've been happy to watch as a marketer that it's become kind of the gold standard and that's just the minimum to move forward. It is nice to see. It's been a culmination of a long line of experiments and efforts by multiple vendors out there to say, I let's try to see how we can give customers more control over their data and see if that will help them and help us. And it's nice to see that that's coming to fruition in smart ways. Now, do you want, are there are a couple other examples you can share on just to make sure our listeners are pretty clear on, on, on what the opportunities are to use, you know, your platform to, to provide a, a better personalized experience for their, uh, for their subscribers? Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to share. Let's see if I can come up with another good one off the top of my head. I'll give you a second to think. What I'm what I'm wondering huh. really here is for our, our listeners, so they get a clear picture of you know what what are some of the things you can do with personalization. So you know, not everybody has you know is as creative as you know and thinking maybe where your company is, but just give them some ideas of you know how could I implement this. So one example you gave was with the inventory, which which totally makes sense. Running out of inventory, don't want to take off the client. Give them a, a chance to say, hey, we're out here. Go over to the store. There's got to be, a, I'm sure there's a, a hundred different ways that people can implement what you're doing. Absolutely. I think the challenge is always picking just one. So <laughs> pick, let pick me one, start yeah. with Chico's. Chico's actually managed to double their conversion rate by putting multiple deals in a single email. So they did a clever thing at that they could probably run every once in a while. So it is repeatable, just not every single day. They did a three deals one day email and they sent out the email in the morning with the first one. And then they told people to continue to click during the day and come back to the email and open it. And they would see a different deal. That had double the conversion rate and it had a really impressive, unique click-through rate for shoppers who said, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in this type of thing. So 
you can do something very simple. That's just three versions of a creative that changes during the day. It's one send and it's having the offers out there. Not a whole lot of personalization there, but enough to say, I know what my people want and I know what they're interested in. And I can then do further testing to see which of those offers works well. Wow, that's a great idea. That's super cool. Is you can have a, you can run a sale all day with new with a new special every hour without having to send another email. Yep, exactly. It's fun stuff. I know that there's a company not in the U.S. Uh, or the or even in North America, but instead out in Turkey that does sportswear. And so something very popular, we probably all have, you know, a shirt with our favorite player's name on the back, but they had a twist on it where they would offer a shirt with your name on the back. And they tried to sell that, showing you the shirt. And then they did a test to see if it would actually work better if they showed you the shirt with your name on it. And so you'd get a picture of the shirt with Morneau written on the back. And that absolutely had a huge response rate, 130% conversion rate in Lyft. Just an incredible result, just from something that was really simple. You just need your, your, your customer's last name in the database. And most of us have at least something close to that. Not everybody's data is fully clean, but name is kind of among the basics that you have for at least, you know, more than half of the people in your database. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, and, you know, like you said, with the ability to append data, I mean, you, it's not difficult now to to add, you know, where people live. So you can, you know, you could use images that uh, reflect where they are. That's really cool. Yeah. So in terms of what you're doing and, you know, you guys kind of charging down this path of personalization, what's some of the bad advice that you hear in the industry around um, email or dynamic data uh, within email? What most of what I hear is people getting very concerned that they need too much data, that they don't have it in a way that they could use, that they are worried that it will take too much technical resources to implement, and nothing could be further from the truth. Our platform works with your existing email service provider. You don't have to change your process to do what to take advantage of what we offer. You just have to plug it into what you're already doing. There's a ton of things that you could be doing in personalization that take less effort than you think. And so really, it's about looking at it very carefully and understanding your customer experience well enough to say, huh, if we tweaked this, and maybe we can tweak that, we would have a much better experience. Well, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's a great tip or great point there. So in terms of making uh, changes, your technology. So like you said, you've, you got your existing ESP, whatever it is, whoever it is you're using, you've likely got somebody, um, a team on staff that's writing copy and content and HTML. So you're just really adding, adding a new piece of code into your existing HTML to provide this better experience for your user. Exactly. Cool. It's pretty simple. So, well, I mean, it's, it's simple for you because this is what you do. I've tested it and I, I like, I, I love the new technology because it gives that personalized experience. But, you know, for a lot of people, like you said, that are that are still not using a first name, it's just a great opportunity. And it's a reason, I think, for customers or companies rather to, to, to really look at their database and say, am I being as effective as I could be? Is there more data and information I should be collecting um, from my consumers? 
And uh, what I found often is that you don't need to ask everything up front. If you've got their email and their first name, over a period of time, if you're sending relevant content, you can give your subscribers a reason to share more information and continue to enhance your database. So it's not like, a well, I don't have a lot of information. I can't start. It's like you said, I can start today. And then over a period of time, I can make it better. You can. You have to recognize that your click-through rate is your click-through rate. And so the number of people who are going to share that information with you is going to be pretty small. It's hard to do that type of progressive profiling that we call it, getting more information over time without spending a lot of effort making it happen unless you have a large enough database that that small percentage turns into a large number of people. What works really well, though, is being smart about the type of questions you're asking and then using the idea of modeling and lookalikes and saying, well, these people said that they like red versus green, so I'm going to be able to expand that to this other group of people. Or making sure that the question you're asking is so critical and you can get the information from other clicks as well that you just wind up with a fantastic number of data. I know that one retailer did that with their click-through rates went through the roof when they asked, which house do you belong to for Harry Potter? And so anybody who (laughs) wanted Harry Potter merchandise would certainly turn around and say, I'm Slytherin or Hufflepuff instead of Gryffindor if they wanted to get that merchandise, which is great. And it's definitely personalization, but it's an unusual case. Most people aren't that willing to offer data on things that are not as as important to them as the house that they belong to. <laughs> That's funny. So looking forward in the next six months or, or maybe beyond, what are you most excited about in, the, in this space? I am so excited about seeing more and more people do amazing things that actually change their whole business. It's very cool to say, ask which house you belong to and get better sales on your Harry Potter merchandise. But it's even cooler to do things that ultimately reduce your call volume to your call center and increase your customer satisfaction just by personalizing when you send information and what people see. And I love those types of stories. I think it's amazing that we can change so much more than just the incremental revenue on an email and do so much more for the business. And those are the things that really excite me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really great point. I mean, like you said, this, so on the front end, there's 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 a better experience for the customer. There's better, there's more sales for the company. But on the back end, there's a lower cost for, you know, customer service in terms of uh, call volume, which ultimately is better for the business as well. So I think so much of the time we spend all our, our time looking at the front end without looking at the back end. And the ultimate goal would be, hey, if we deliver such great service, maybe we wouldn't need to have a, a call center for people to phone in. But I don't know if that'll ever happen. <laughs> that might be a little ambitious. So who's, I'll ask two more questions and I'll let you get back to your day. So who uh, is a guest that you think I absolutely have to have on my podcast? So Galena Korkova is an amazing marketer. She's done things all around direct marketing and brand marketing all over the map. She's incredibly well-rounded and just gets what's needed and brings it to life. So you should definitely reach out to Galena. That would be amazing. If you could make an introduction, that'd be even more amazing. Sure. 
And then the most important question today is for our listeners who are tuning in and this might be new to them, or maybe they've had some experience, what's the best way for them to connect with you and with LiveClicker and get more information? So connecting with me, LinkedIn is definitely the best way to do it, or I can be reached on email. In terms of LinkedIn, we have a full website and I would encourage anyone who wants to see us in action to request a demo. Cool. There you go. So yeah, listeners, if you head over to liveclicker.com, um, I'll make sure that this uh, information is in the show notes. I've, I've looked through the website. There's a, a ton of great information on the website. I would highly encourage you to go there. So I just want to say, hey, thanks so much, Gretchen, for taking time out of your day as we're heading towards the holidays and uh, sharing with our audience. Thank you so much for having me and enjoy your holidays. So there you go, listeners. There's another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. I love the dynamic content. I think it's something if you're not doing, you definitely need to take a look at it. It's low-hanging fruit. It's not that difficult to implement. I did some testing. It took less than 30 minutes to be up and running. So I'd encourage you to do that. We'll make sure that we have transcribed the show notes for you. So uh, head over uh, to uh, the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast and you'll be able to download the information there. And we'll make sure we've got all the links for Gretchen and Live Clicker there. So thanks for tuning in. We look forward to serving you on our next episode that's all for this episode of real marketing real fast now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode that's dougmorneau.com until next time we look forward to serving you right here on real marketing real fast